This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Mental health, of course, the overwhelmingly believed motive behind Sunday's shooting. Even though we have not actually gotten any confirmation or validation that that is actually the truth. I mean, that is only what the family has been saying. But if it is the key factor that drove this man to shoot and kill, what red flags, if any, were missed? Global News has obtained some pretty explosive new information from one of the gunman's former teachers at Vic Park. And I want to play you the phone message that was left for us that we had authenticated and uh, looked into the background of it, where apparently he told this teacher and boasted about wanting to kill someone as far back as 10 years ago. Take a listen. 10 years ago when he was in my class and I asked him, what does he want to do? And he said to me, oh, I want to kill someone. I said, are you kidding me? Why? What do they do to you? He said, nothing. I just feel it would be really cool to kill somebody. I said, you're joking, right? He said, no. And this kid creeped me out. I mean, he was always polite and nice, but he creeped me out. He looked like he would kill somebody. We reported it to the police. The police did come. They actually took him away and handcuffed under the Mental Health Act. So it wasn't like we did nothing. It wasn't like the police did nothing. But after a couple of weeks, they released him because there was no immediate threat to him or to anyone else at the time that they could prove. This is 10 years ago, so obviously there was no immediate threat. But I can tell you, it creeped me out to this day. And then all of a sudden, I saw him on the news. I went, oh, my God, that's the kid I had in my class. Because, like, I wrote his name down way back when, thinking, if this ever happens, you know, I just, and holy shit, it did. So, you know, take that for whatever you want. It's a fact. It's not, it's in the records. Like, we reported it, and the police did what they could. But, uh, unfortunately, what a horrible tragedy, and i got to tell you, if I hadn't reported it, I would just be so beside myself. I'm still not thrilled, but, anyways, there's your news tip. So there is your news tip. Uh, the teachers, of course, as I said, they did report it. He did go for a check under the Mental Health Act, but was released because the police determined it was not an immediate threat. But it seems, as we're learning through the last couple of days, there were signs. And whether they were missed or ignored, we don't know. But Global News has also confirmed that uh, police sourced information that the shooter had a fascination with death, explosives and guns, as well uh, kind of an arsenal of, of ammunition on him when he was killing on Sunday. That could have taken a whole lot more people. I want to bring Joe Newberger into this uh, particular conversation. He, of course, is our legal expert at uh, Global News Radio, but also in particular when it comes to mental health, knows an awful lot about the laws uh, and where they sit now. He joins me now. Joe, what do you make of the audio that you are hearing? To me, I mean, these are red flags, and they had clearly been raised, if we are to believe this teacher and others who say that they reported it to the TDSB. It sounds like those warnings were were ignored. Well, really nothing was done with it other than the reporting. The teacher was responsible. It seems that the school did the appropriate uh, thing to report it to police, and I think uh, from uh, what I've read, there was an admission under the Mental Health Act the difficulty is then what happened after that. 
Um, assuming the young man was not held in a facility, he was determined at some point to be appropriate for release. And then there was no following of him or his behavior. And, you know, you know, maybe back 10 years ago, they didn't have the same fears that we do now. But these type of occurrences, whether they're related to mental health or to a personality issue, are very serious red flags because even though adolescents get themselves into trouble and say stupid things, it is still more the rarity where they say, one day I want to kill somebody just for the fun of it because it's a cool thing. That really is a strong indicator that somebody has something wrong and they need to be followed somehow. And uh, it doesn't seem that this young man was followed. Well, it, it, you know, the police, in the in the information we've been able to obtain, you know, he was taken in by the police under the Mental Health Act, but they then released him saying, you know, that they didn't believe there was a threat. But the staff say that they were bothered for years about the creepiness of right. this. Right, because the, the manner in which this was expressed could have been without, you know, real emotion and said in such a way that they took this extremely seriously. And um, unfortunately, police deal with a lot of threatening type of conduct, and it's very hard for them to discern sometimes really what's a real threat, what isn't. This is a young person, you know, maybe he's just being stupid and shooting his mouth off. So I don't want to be over, overly critical about the police. Right. Um, because, again, these instances are really quite infrequent. But if the teachers were so affected by this, the manner in which this threat came through, because um, I mean both by presentation and what he said, obviously was significant enough that should have resulted in something more. And what we're learning also over the last 72 hours is allegedly the family saying that there was lots of psychiatric contacts, which didn't help because this young man was suffering from mental illness, the details of which uh, I don't know and I don't think has been publicly disclosed yet. Would it have to be? I mean, if we're to believe this, uh, this um, you know, claim that he was mentally ill, and all we have to go on right now is what the family says and what these past reports are, um, but, you know, what would the responsibility of the TDS be uh, you know, be to the public at large? And what would the responsibility be, you know, if he was on the radar this many times? Well, if he's on the radar and, you know, there have been other occurrences that uh, result in either mental health apprehensions or connection to material that would make it seem that he's planning or thinking about something dangerous, then this person has to be, you know, sort of red flagged by police and monitored to some extent so that you are, you've got a tab on him because potentially this person could, become more threatening and dangerous than we know the person did. And at this stage, I think uh, this is such an enormous tragedy, but we need to take some steps to try and learn from this as to what we can do to try and protect our public. So first off, uh, whatever details the family does have about this this young man's um, mental health and the struggles he went through, that had better be disclosed in detail to the police. Uh, I assume that they are going to interview the family, but there better be significant details because that will uh, help the police try and determine motivations for the act and also uh, what were the um, pitfalls in trying to deal with this person throughout the years. Uh, Where were there um, uh, cracks in the system or failures where uh, problems could have been identified and and maybe treated, and if we did not have the mechanisms or tools in place, what other legislation or legislative changes can we make right. to try and help those who are troubled and to try and address this from a risk standpoint as well as from a patient rights standpoint. We can learn a tremendous amount from this 
And the public really has a thirst to know this because this is such a tragedy that everybody is having a hard time trying to come to grips with. Well, because we seem to have this battle that it's either mental illness or it is, you know, ideological. And it could very well, in my opinion, be both. We simply do not know. But it's being written off right now as one thing or another. Um, But I think what is clear is that this guy had a fascination with guns and violence. And now we're hearing reports from teachers that he talked about killing and yet somehow Heath fell through the cracks. Yeah, and I, I, I just want to say I agree with what you say. It could be both because individuals who commit horrific acts sometimes do have either personality issues or certain mental health issues that predispose them to act impulsively or dangerously. Right. And, and this doesn't mean I don't want the public who hears this, those who are suffering from mental illness, to say mentally ill people are dangerous. That's not the case. The overwhelming majority are not. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes uh, it can be a factor of both, and it's extremely important to see, you know, what we can do to help individuals to try and prevent this from occurring. But the other thing is people who are compromised in many ways, uh, either they feel ostracized from the community, they're isolated, they, they have mental health issues, they are the perfect target uh, for, um, you know, having their mind sort of uh, twisted and and for being radicalized and it's so easy on social media to to connect with these things and then become in some way radicalized and then act out uh, some type of of dangerous act simply because of the mental state and the influence of some of this material and i'm not just saying this could be you know uh, terrorist related or related to isis but you know this is a typical soft target which we've seen in London, yep. uh, in Belgium, and others. And when you watch the video with the calmness in which uh, the individual walks up and, and, and starts shooting and everything else, it's very chilling. And it's something that the police, I'm sure, will do a very thorough job to examine everything humanly possible to try and determine the motivation and then see what we can do better in the future. Yeah, I mean, I don't put a lot of stock uh, into ISIS when they make this kind of claim. To me, it's propaganda. However, um, you know, they do tend to prey, and um, those trying to turn people ideologically do end up preying on people with vulnerabilities like mental illness. And This is an almost impossible task, then, to try to cure. I mean, how as a society do we deal um, with trying to get these people off the street? You know, city council last night, uh, virtue signaling all these changes and banning gun laws, that to me is absurd because it would never have stopped what happened on Sunday night. It's just completely knee-jerk reaction, feel good about ourselves, uh, decision-making, but it doesn't solve anything. Right, and it's premature right now because the police are still investigating and they're going to be looking at computers and social media access and everything else to determine what might have been a motivating factor. They have to interview the family and determine what is the background, the mental health and psychiatric background of this individual, put it all together for a picture that then can be analyzed to see what steps can we take that make sense. You can't make knee-jerk reactive steps. It'll never solve the issue. This needs to be done intelligently. We need to get to the root of this issue and see also we we know, we know fairly well that the system of mental health uh, is out there to help, but we are short psychiatrists, we are short appropriate mental health professionals. Access is very difficult. It's hard to get people formed in hospital. There's a lot that needs to be done uh, to try and help people who are in crisis uh, because they deserve that help and the families need that help, but also to try and identify people who are potentially dangerous and how do we stop things and actually help these people before some tragedy happens. Right. And, and you know, 
where are you at with the social media? Because clearly that's all been, you know, scrubbed. That's all been taken off online because there's absolutely no information about this guy online. And if he did, in fact, have an online presence and was visiting sites, there's no way for anybody to actually find that out. I, I find guess. that troubling that that Facebook or Twitter, I get it. It's a tough place for them to be. I get that they don't want to encourage any terrorist group by giving it more um, publicity. But at the same time, we now have no way of gauging what information was online and what warnings were out there about this guy now. Yeah, in the instance that they would be notified about a particular act, they should be uh, immediately cooperative with authorities in order to turn over what, what they have on their server and then and then they can delete it, but they should turn it over. Also, you know, if there is access to certain sites and there is a computer or a smartphone used, those phones can be forensically analyzed to try certain apps you can absolutely delete, but certain stuff will stay on the uh, data of the system, and you can extract it and try and determine at least some pieces. But I agree. I, I think, you know, Facebook and other social media outlets want to distance themselves. They don't want to help these radical organizations in any way. But if an individual has been accessing this, we need to have some basis of cooperation in order to determine what happened, because forensically putting this together and determining why is extremely important for future safety. Yeah, just one quick last question, because sure. I know this is your area of specialty. Um, do you get the sense that they're going to have to have some kind of inquest? Not that those are fairly useful at all, because nothing ever comes out of them. But in this case, you know, if this is an issue of mental illness and there were warning signs and he had been in treatment, if that's all confirmed, um, to me, this is a case that we could very well get into some kind of uh, court where we're looking at where the red flags were missed. Yeah, no, I think that's an excellent point. I was involved a long time ago in a coroner's inquest where an individual who had mental health issues drove the wrong way on the 400 purposely and killed himself and four other individuals. And so there was a number of contacts with police. I acted for OPP, and it was a very robust um, inquest, which lasted about over a month. But there were a lot of very good recommendations made about how to deal with individuals who present with mental health issues. And um, I think it's time now that we have a second look at it. An inquest could be helpful. We can put parameters on it so it doesn't go too far. Uh, But, yeah, I think that's a good idea. And I, I think now is the time because at many levels we're talking about helping those in need, families in need, and protecting the community. These all converge, and it would be appropriate. If we're going to use public funds for something, that's not a bad way to spend it. Stay tuned. Getting interesting uh, and more interesting by the day. Joe, thank you. Always a pleasure, Alex. Take care. And that is Joe Newberger. where if uh, you want to catch him, you can, nrlawyers.com. On point, I'm Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio.